Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. An excerpt on human justice written by Grich Grich. The following excerpt is taken from A Guide to Interspecies Harmony, Chapter 4, Humanity's Contribution to Unified Legality. Historical note. It was written by the human phonic equivalent of Kai Ruhan, a Lalpin, one of the species originally most aggressive towards humanity. Though it was purely received at the time of its original production, in the 380 Laplan orbital cycles, approximately 1,451 soda years, since it has become one of the most well-respected texts on interplanetary and interspecies communication and interactions, and was granted induction into the Human Congressional Library, a rare and much-lauded feat for other species. Badness is not a uniquely human idea. Every human alive knows this fact as if it were a law of reality, as true as gravity, or as present as the forces of friction and momentum. This does not mean, however, that humanity's idea about fairness were all understood when they first became members of what wider galaxy community. Of course, other species, those older or wiser, or more often or not than both such things, have discussed it in every conceivable way, written treaties on fairness, come to great moral and philosophical conclusions about fairness, and in the end have discussed not just the value of fairness, but individual need for fairness, justice, and equality. But human culture, emotion, identity was so deeply built on a notion of fairness and justice that when they became members of the galactic community, it revived a discussion long thought solved, and therefore dead. There are many fairly obvious reasons for this. By the time humanity made its way to the interstellar stage, more, more accurately, the galactic community, these things had been discussed, understood, or discarded by most species, either solved questions of meaning or in many cases discarded as naive concepts meant for lower forms of life. Every species had its own understanding of fairness and its value and validity. If the reader would consider, hive mind species almost always find the idea of fairness to be a relatively unimportance, a discovery that shocked humanity. By comparison, species like humanity, the predatory omnivores that are only rarely able to survive their planet's history and therefore make it to the space-faring stage, tend to ascribe great importance to it. Autotrophs, the most common form of species to succeed in surviving to the space-faring stage of species development, are nearly always confused at the idea, not because they disagree with fairness, but rather because they do not often consider the greater implications of fairness, as their species are rarely as internally competitive about resources as the other species. Perhaps it has to do with resource availability. 
Autotrophs are those species capable of meeting their food energy needs through inorganic substances or other forms of energy like light, and so are far less likely to have experienced the intraspecies resource limitations that define development for species like humanity. Autotrophs tend to be limited by environment's constraints, and while there is internal competition amongst their kind, some aspect of their development tends to leave these species with less comprehensive view of justice, though they have often have fairly comprehensive ideologies about other forms of morality and the innate rights of a given being. For a species like humanity, and in fact species including our own Alpen people, those who need it to war not just for food, but for a place to grow it, water to nurture it, and security to ensure it would last. Justice often held a greater meaning and importance in our own discussion of morality. Historical note. At this time, this book discussed the complex minutia of moral development amongst different species. It discussed autotrophs, beings with the ability to gain energy and nourishment needs from their environment or inorganic substances. As opposed to the heterotrophs, those who must consume organic material for sustenance and makes special mention of different forms of common species development, including hive mind, communal species similar to coral, where a single organism really is a part of a larger structure of organisms. Independent species, rare even by the standards of rarity of intelligent life, as non-community species rarely are capable of achieving a technological capacity to escape their planet. And, of course, species similar to humanity and the Lulpan people, community-structured individual species. After this very broad discussion of species development, the author returned to the immediate question of his book. How does humanity's arrival into the galactic community change the community as a whole, especially in regards to questions of innate rights, morality, and the interpretation of justice? When humanity entered into the galactic community, they found a disorganized structure of laws and morality, a system whose practices ensured perhaps some of the most basic impressions of fairness, justice, and equality, while entirely ignoring the deeper and more meaningful aspects of the terms. Things like bodily autonomy were ignored. If another species called a human, it was not considered wrong for them to probe, study, or even alter the human structure so long as it didn't kill them or prevent them from being able to be returned home to their old jobs. They were considered to be treated fairly, so long as they didn't die or become entirely crippled. More specifically and accurately, so long as they weren't crippled physically. For as long back as there are records, we can consult the galactic community has varied so much in these ideas about the validity of importance of mental status. Only a few species have well-developed ideas of what trauma might mean to a singular being's psyche and sense of self, which meant that being traumatized and broken inside were terms they derided and mocked even when the truth was that the human sense of self, safety, and well-being had been shattered by the experiments of other species, eager to learn about this new galactic member and their physiology. Hive minds are rarely capable of this sort of mental pain, so they didn't understand it. 
while individualistic species varied in their resiliency to the point that some species are broken by a single minorly frightening experience and others are effectively incapable of being mentally damaged. Historical note, this is a key point to recall when reading this text, as Laplands are remarkably resilient to mental trauma. It has been argued by historians that perhaps the terrible trauma experienced by the author and his subsequent rescue by humans aboard the Nebula Minor Vessel that led not to just this document's creation, but to a change in the perception of humans amongst these people and the galactic community at large. There are obvious lapses in fairness in the galactic community, of course, aside from bodily autonomy, but a few were so integral to human culture as that. After all, humans had believed in bodily autonomy even in ancient days. Things like assault, organ harvesting, some of the more vicious forms of slavery and indenture were all outlawed by the vast, vast majority of human cultures long before they discovered the defining nature of the universe. From organizational cells to atoms and elemental forces defining reality at its limitations. Still, other issues of fairness did crop up. The right to a fair trial by your peers, not just by whoever happened to have caught you breaking what they considered a law was a major point of contention amongst the galactic community very often. It was far more frequently discussed when human diplomats began to be punished for speaking up for themselves in the courts and the cultural centers of the Galactic Council. This tied into other areas of morality and legality amongst the humans as well. The freedom from torture and degradation was long declared a human right. To be clear, a human right is not a current legal term, rather it is a human-specific and human designed precursor to the guaranteed rights of sentient beings ratified by the Galactic Council three centuries after humanity's induction to the Council in a probationary capacity, and was ratified by the Humans United Nations organization many centuries earlier. When humans discussed their desire for this to be declared a Galactic Council guarantee, it was approached as a strange and novel concept even amongst the more fair-minded species. Older species, who had endured greater threat to interspecies attack, tended to argue that torture was permissible if it reduced to greater good. The consequentialist form of physiological argument that humanity itself had struggled with in their own history. Amongst their own species, they eventually decided was wrong, though understandable, and perhaps dependent on at least the extent on the situation and scenario. But amusingly, they extended the same right to other species as well once they entered the Galactic Council, even if other species did not accept the same courtesy. Perhaps most well-known amongst the other species of the galaxy were humanity's three very public discussed demands that uh, each sentient being had the right to own property, each sentient being should exist under the assumption of innocence, a being is always considered innocent until proven guilty in the eyes of the law. And of course, what we know today as the assumption of individual agency. Each being is responsible for its own actions unless an organization, community, or government group has supported, encouraged, or knowingly allowed that being to take an illegal or immoral action. The remaining members of that organization, community, or government are not to be held responsible in the eyes of the law. 
Humanity demands were not derided. They received little to no backlash from the galactic community. That had been the fear of most of humanity's most outspoken diplomats, and at first they were quite heartened to find no negative responses. Sadly, that turned out to be due to the fact that the demands were ignored almost entirely. Instead, of course, other species accepted their validity and value. While these demands were dismissed by the Galactic Council as a whole, it should be noted that a very small number of species who adopted these as legal rights amongst their own species have, in the short time since, begun to support humanity's claim that these should be guaranteed rights, owing at least in part to the fact that they have improved interspecies relations amongst several species, previously unable to avoid conflict due to confusion over moral or legal questions intrinsically linked to their interactions. The author would argue, then, that these guaranteed rights should be ratified and adopted by the Galactic Council immediately. As suggested by the late head human ambassador to the Galactic Council before he was executed for perceived slight against the Almorharan Empire, if the Galactic Council were to guarantee these most basic rights, and in time weighed the other 37 proposed rights suggested by the late ambassador, there might be significant improvement in interspecies interactions. While any two species might disagree on moral questions, by declaring these to be legal rights, independent of species' interpretations of their legal validity, there could be greater clarity and reduced confusion between dissimilar species decreasing unnecessary violence while simultaneously guaranteeing greater security and respect for galactic law. At this point, the author moves on briefly to a personal anecdote regarding the time amongst the Hubert people, which, while he recorded and publicized in a later excerpt of this novel, after that anecdotal proof of his argument, in the following chapter, the author discusses the pragmatic opposed to the moral notion of mutual enforcement a common discussion in the years after this book's publication. Specifically, it describes the need for each species to ensure that other species are protected as well, under the assumption that protected the rights, safety, and security of another species will increase the likelihood that they too will protect your own rights, thereby increasing safety, respect, and stability through a system of reinforced positive feedback. This argument, like much of the book as a whole, was originally derided by the majority of readers when this book was first published. But in the long years since has become the cornerstone of Galactic Council enforcement system. Historical note, it would be not another 21 Nulpin orbital cycle, slightly more than 80 solar years, before the demands first introduced by the human ambassador were reintroduced to the Galactic Council. And a fascinating historical twist, the second time they were introduced not by a human speaker, but by a new Lalpin prime advisor, the Lalpin's considerably more well-respected voice on a collective galactic council. Even then, it would be nearly as long again before the rules were agreed upon entirely, and ended, along with several other dozen changes, into the galactic charter, under the section regarding the guaranteed rights of sentient beings. End of excerpt. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. 
But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.